And then Basalana, I I don't know what to say, our next guest speaker, because yeah. <laughs> Because when I went to Youth Alive, I got to meet the leading person of Youth Alive, whom I'm going to introduce now in a moment. Youth Alive was a breath of fresh air for me as a young person who was born again and to come into a space wherein Christianity is taught and done in a way that is youth-friendly. And I remember I was given an opportunity to lead Go Youth Alive, went to the camp Go Youth Alive. I was literally cooked Go Youth Alive, founded strongly in sound theology. They were very Baptist inclined. They were very, very Baptist inclined. But to be able to fellowship as a young person and be fed a gospel that is youth friendly, but that is very Christ centered, that's the gospel indeed has really been an incredible thing. I'll speak up tonight, Utile, with his son, Lebohang, and Le Tlotlang Bahamulibatsi. Kikupa Lebohang, Le Tlotlang Bahamulibatsi. Please, can they please stand? Kiba Monara. Let's welcome them, Barcelona. Thank you so much. We have a, a great relationship with the, the, I say he fathered me, and somehow by default I'm fathering the children now through that great relationship. Let me read you a bit of a resume, and please forgive me for reading it, because most of our speakers don't want us to read their resume, but I'm doing it on purpose, Basalana, for us to really know how fortunate we are to receive people of this mental. Uh, Reverend Cesar Mulebati has been involved from a very young age in community development and mobilization, as well as social justice and commitment to the redemptive work of God. He's the founder and pastor emeritus of Ebenezer Evangelical Church and has been instrumental in many leadership and development organizations to promote youth, women, and disabled persons empowerment. He has a, a BA in Biblical Literature and a Master's in Communication. He's also been involved in business development investments intended to fight poverty and enhance economic sustainability for marginalized communities. Currently, he's involved in food security initiatives in rural and urban areas. He has worked in media through television, radio, and publications, as well as many national, continental, international conferences promoting peace, justice, and ethical leadership. Reverend Caesar was the first black YMCA president in South Africa and the second African World Alliance president of YMCA, an organization that works in 120 countries around the world. He has served as director in a number of companies, including Tutor Trust, which is teacher development for young South Africans, CKLM constituency, that's development of Lufering, agri-villages, and many other projects, Empower Investments, Accountability Institute of South Africa, which is seeking ethical accountability, Maru Arangogo, promoting rural farmer development, Bagan Africa, which is designing urban agriculture, Triple Trust Organization, which is training rural poor in agribusiness and self-employment opportunities, and Bakubwingba Mulote, CPA, which is promoting economic development of reclaimed land of his own tribal group. He's passionate about the current day Joshua's and Esther's, and he runs an annual Founders Day at Ebenezer Evangelical Church, which is intended 
to promote unity among the believers as to instill a common purpose for the evangelization and discipleship of believers. The Founders Day highlights and the multiplicity of giftedness across denominational boundaries. Through the company Legacy Africa Publishers, it promotes curation of legacies of men and women of God in Africa to encourage future generations to drink from their own wells. For us, Barcelona, not only is he a mentor and a leader, he's our dad and he's a father. One of the people that God has raised in our country, he'll always call me, Barcelona, after the morning prayers to encourage me. And anytime he has seen us anywhere, he's forever being one of those who encourages and who helps us. And I really, really thank God for him being here. Barcelona, please let's stand as welcome Bishop Cesar Mulebazi just to come and share the word of the Lord with us. Come on, Barcelona, let's show our appreciation, please. Thank you very much, Bazan San Bonani. Ega Melinjani. Legabani. Goba Wuye Bagzalwani. Yari busy saying, Horta myself and head. Ram Lebo. Motungulungo. Futulungile. A moko ofananae. Futusosa beko. Hallelujah. Please be seated in the presence of the Almighty God. I never thought that I will have this opportunity to actually see and taste of the goodness of God and His blessing during our lifetime. But I must confess that I feel like I'm an apostle born out of season. Because I am to bear witness to a man who is better known than myself by most of you who are here tonight. You've walked with him for 40 years. You've seen him going up. You've seen him go down. You've seen him go around. And you've seen him conquer. You've known him and you've walked with him every step of the way. But also I feel that I'm in the presence of men and women of God who are giants on whose shoulders some of us still stand so that we can see further than they ever have. It is not because of our wisdom or our education or our intelligence, but it has been because of their faithfulness and their willingness that we should stand on their shoulders and see the future that God had for us as we grew up. So I'm most thankful for that. I am very, very thankful also whenever I, of course you should know that I'm an evangelist for GBC. As you may up, you'll find an evangelist who's always talking about Grace Bible Church. And I do that because 
I remember when Lebohang, who's now the senior pastor of Ebenezer Evangelical Church, and I know that there are some elders here from Protea Glen and from Dobsonville and from Rodiport who are here. We said, we want to make sure that you are not lost or that you take too much time so that we can give an account of how you behaved when you were at Grace. <laughs> but I remember when Lebohang and his brothers, there's four of them, uh, uh, all of them love the Lord, and the last one is getting married tomorrow, Bishop Son. <laughs> but I accepted, I accepted to come tonight because I needed just a few hours of praise and worship and get away from slaughtering sheep and cows and chickens. And then, King Bong, he calls Eli, Eli Shugan, And so when he asked me to come, I was very glad to do so. So I do want to thank God for the leadership of uh, 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 presiding Bishop Sono. Because when my sons, who knew all the weaknesses of their father, and that sometimes was difficult to overcome them to see Christ in that life of up and down, I needed someone who can witness to my children and attend to the presiding bishop of this church. And ever since then, I have met some of you who have been in many places with them under the leadership of the presiding bishop. And I want to tell you, if you come on Sunday to Ebenezer, you will find him just as fiery as you feel the fire here at Grace Bible Church. So I thank you very much, Limme. I've been wanting to meet many, many. There's one more person I'm going to talk about that I'd like to meet uh, later on as we go on in, in the, my presentation. Uh, I'm not as short in my speech as I am short in stature. So I'm glad there's a thing there that can keep me on track about tonight. But I, it's just such a joy to be able to meet you, Ma, uh, Ma Bishop, tonight. And I'm hopeful that we'll have much more wonderful times uh, in the future. I wrestled for many, many hours and I sought to ask God to unload what I need to say. And I was being very cautious, uh, Dr. Maswangani, Dr. Ivan and others, man that the cause are people who have gone before me in many ways. I just want to put it on record here that it was through Dr. Eva Siobingwenya that we actually ended up with the Legacy Africa Publishing. And I'm writing about Joshua and Estes of this country. And you'll hear more about that as time goes on. But it is really a, a great honor that I could speak on your, in your presence about this auspicious, an amazing time in the life of this church and this body of believers. I listened very intently a couple of weeks ago when the presiding bishop actually went through scripture and talked about the number 40 in the Bible. And I was tempted not to mention it tonight because I am scared. You know, Bazalwani, so many of us hear so many sermons week after week, month after month. And it was Wilbur Smith in Canada who said to us, why should anyone hear the gospel the second time when so many millions of people have not even heard it for the first time? Why should the, the presiding bishop preach one more sermon? 
until you have put into practice the last one. Otherwise, it's okunjel over the and you know when that happens you'll be like a mosquito that is bound in water that is not flowing and what happens because on sickness and disease we begin to tripping, trip over each other because either we know too much and we've grown fat than growing up and so I was very careful to say Lord give me something else but the Lord kept pushing me back to the year four, the number 40 because the number 40 is a very important number as in the scriptures as well as in the social life of individuals and communities. Indeed, of any person's life and in society. For instance, at 40 years, Moses departed to the desert to meet Jethro. Add to that another 40 years when Moses stood at the burning bush where he heard God say, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters, for I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey. Therefore, now this was 40 years of Moses being in a Bible school with Jethro in the backside of the middle of nowhere. And by the way, it would be very interesting for you to know who Jethro was because Jethro was a Midianite. And who are the Midianites? The Midianites are the Ethiopians. And who are the Ethiopians? The Ethiopians are Africans. And God, seeking to show Israel the way forward, he sought a man who understood what Abraham had taught because the basis of Abraham being chosen was that God chose him because he wanted a man who would be able to tell future generations about Yahweh. And so the Midianites who came out of Media, who was the son of Keturah, the second wife of, of Abraham when Abraham was 125, that Media put Moses through the ropes of a Bible school for 40 years. It was at the end of those 40 years that God said, therefore, I have come now and I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt, Exodus chapter 3, verse 7 to verse 10. And after that, it took 40 years for Moses to hear the Lord says, Therefore, you will not see the land, but you will only see it from a distance. You will not enter the land I'm giving to the people of Israel, the promised land. Because after 40 years of wandering in the desert, Moses came to the, to the very edge. He was at the cusp of going into the promised land and God says you will not go in. It was 40 years later. Then there are several other men and women of God who experienced the point of trial and ushered them into a new season. What of Noah? 40 days and 40 nights. He endured rain such as never been seen before. Remember that before that there had never been rain on earth. There was mist. Muani. But there was never rain. And so Noah went through 40 days and 40 nights, wandering throughout that period, what is it that God has in his mind? Noah, for 40 years. What about Moses on Mount Sinai, when he spent 40 days and 40 nights seeking to hear and understand the voice of God that he might be able to receive the Decalogue, 
or what you'd commonly know as the Ten Commandments. What of Joshua and the 12 spies who went into the promised land and spied and reconnoitered that land for 40 days and 40 nights and they came back? And out of the 12, only two, Caleb and Joshua, were saying, give us this mountain for we are well able. And by the way, for those of you who are beginning to feel comfortable that you're not 80, so it doesn't matter, Joshua was 57 years old when God called him to lead his people, to break camp and lead his people to the promised land. So 40 is a special period and a special day that comes at the inauguration also of Christ's ministry. You remember John the Baptist in John 1.29 who proclaimed, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And coupling that with Jesus' own self-understanding which is tied inextricably to the anointing that he pronounced in Luke 4.18, and most of you know this, and you recite it all the times. And I wonder how many times do we actually stop to think what it actually means. But Jesus said, it is for this reason that the Spirit has anointed me. To do what? To do what? To do what? It was crucial for Jesus to enter into the 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness right at the outset of his ministry because he confronted every conceivable point of temptation without sinning. He famously retorted at every temptation without sinning and at every onslaught by simply referring to the scriptures that he was taught. When he declared each time the words, it is written. In other words, in Latin, we say sola scriptura, sola fidei, sola spiritus santo. If I may translate, because I know that some of you don't speak in tongues. <laughs> it means only scripture, devil. Only scripture. It is written. Therefore, I will respond to you on the basis of what I know has been written. It is sola fide. It is only by faith and faith alone that we shall be saved. And of course, it is not by might. Come on now. Nor by. You see, I listen to your sermons. Nor by. But by. Says who? Now, didn't you hear at some point the presiding bishop saying that? That's just to show you that I'm watching you. <laughs> But Bazalwani, it is amazing about this. But Luke 4, 18 simply says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. What is the purpose of this anointing? He has anointed me to do what? To preach the gospel. To who? To the poor. Well, that's for another day. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. That's for another day, a sermon. To preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight of the blinds. And then this incredible, and Dr. Basonganya likes to remind me that I'm a, I've been a rebel in this one. And to preach the acceptance, uh, acceptable year of the Lord. 50 years every year, Israel freed all the slaves. Israel returned the land. Now it's been a, a mere 400 years for us. But anyway, every 50 years, Israel was to return the land that they expropriated from anyone. They were to forgive debt. That is why Jesus 
says, I was anointed to do these things. Similarly, I see you as Grace Bible Church, where you have had an unprecedented visitation of the Lord, where the presiding Bishop Musa has faithfully led you for 40 years. This is another epoch-breaking moment for you, Grace Bible Church. A moment which has been declared from this pulpit from many servants of God who have ministered and confirmed that you are about to enter a new chapter. A new chapter means another new beginning with God. It's taken 40 years where God has faithfully and intentionally purposely God has allowed this church to go through whatever is gone, especially the good part, but also the bad parts. It's taken 40 years where God has faithfully and intentionally prepared you for the new season. This happens even in our ordinary lives, that when you hit the year 40, somehow you feel that the 39 preceding years was but a preparation. You think and realize that it shall never be the same again after you've passed 39 years of age. So indeed, God... 40 years of God's faithfulness to Grace Bible Church is evidenced by the vast array of testimonies and the vast array of affirmations from so many great men and women of God for both in South Africa, from Zambia, from Ghana, from Korea, from everywhere. There has been an amazing amount of affirmation. When you affirm someone, Bishop, is the time that you enable them to do better. When you affirm someone, it says, well done. You affirm them to do better. And therefore, I've come to realize that in my experience, every moment in my life and every experience, good or bad, has never been my destination, but my preparation. It is therefore good to say, your situation, no matter what it is, is never your destination as long as you live, but it's your preparation to fulfill God's purpose for your life. So what's been your preparation? No matter what it is, and no matter what it has been, the crucial question remains, Lord, what do you have in store for me, for us? Those here right now, Brazilian, there are those among you who are gifted with a gift of knowledge, which has imbued you with insight and wisdom. Somehow you've been able to solve problems that other people thought cannot be solved. Some of you here have had the gift of prophecy, which enables you to proclaim boldly the will of God in present and future situations of individuals and their communities and nations. As faithful watchmen and watchwomen, Listened, and you've listened at the posts and at the ramparts of God's community, and you've heard what the Lord has to say, and you've proclaimed it unashamedly. Some of you here have got the gift of pastoring and teaching, to teach such that you may prepare the people of God for the works, for the good works of the ministry. Wish I had time to go onto the fivefold ministry teaching. Some of you are here with the gift of leadership. Will take, which, will t which means that you must take on the mantle of leadership. What is the problem with South Africa today? It's because we've allowed people who are not leaders to lead, and those who are leaders have sat back and have stopped leading. 
So if God has given you the gift of leading, for goodness sake, lead. Some of you here have got the gift of administration. May you truly take on the role of organizing and preparing the church as it seeks to impact through the works of the ministry and plunder the gates of hell. These matters, Bazalwan, have weighed heavily upon me the last few weeks, even tonight in this present time and ambience of worship. At the point of 40 years, Grace Bible Church, it is not only for us to declare how we should say thus far has the Lord led us. It is also a time of thanksgiving and praise. I said it is a time also of thanksgiving and praise. Grace Bible Church, it is incumbent upon you on this 40th anniversary to remember the meaning of the Abrahamic covenant, which teaches us that God blesses you to bless others. Abraham was not called for his own comfort. He was not called and gifted for his own glorification, but he was blessed beyond measure to the, for the purpose of being the father of many nations. May I say, GBC, the father of many churches, a thousand of them. Abraham received the covenant of God for the purpose of participating in God's redemptive purpose for his creation. The 40th anniversary is to be a moment of jubilation, of praise, of an explosion of gratitude such as it has never been seen before. A moment of self-giving to be living sacrifices who will be able to, to be those who understand the word of God and pursue it with all what we have and all that we have been given and has been trusted and has been entrusted into our stewardship. Ah, I feel like singing and saying, Grace Bible Church, Grace Bible Church, lift up your arms and sing Hosanna to the high Hosanna to the King Grace Bible Church Grace Bible Church Lift up your heads and sing Hey, Hosanna to the high Hosanna Amen Hallelujah Now, Barcelona Now <laughs> Now Now that I have had this off my chest I want to turn to you, presiding bishop. And there is somebody that I would like you to introduce me to, that you've introduced to most of us who pray in the morning, who always is introduced by you saying us, ah, my favorite thing. <laughs> and then he would say, he would say without fail. Bazalwan, I mean without fail, he would say, thank you, Pao. Who is this Bao? <laughs> Who is this angel? Who is this Bao and her team that makes the bishop's heart ring with joy 
and the sense of presence because he's heard the wonderful ding. <laughs> I really want to see this bow. I want to see. I want to shake a hand sooner or later today. And so, Bakaitsu, I now turn my thoughts to you. And I'm reminded of the teaching of Malachi. Most of us like Malachi chapter 3. Especially as Dr. Maswanga, you would say, we charismatic Pentecostal evangelicals. We use Malachi for one reason only, to extract ties from brothers and sisters. However, 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 as I return and speak to you, Mama, where is Bao? Come up here, Bao. Ah, there is Bao. Oh, oh, what a giant of a man. God bless. Thank you. Amen, my brother. Yes. There you go. <laughs> Malachi says more than about tithes. He says in Malachi 4, in verse 5 and 6, See, I will send the prophet Elijah, not Masonganya, although he's trying to be that Elijah. <laughs> to you, to you before the great and dreadful day of the Lord, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. And he will turn the hearts of the children to their fathers. And as I come tonight, I know the heartbeat of this brother and this mother of this church. All thousands of you, he turns daily, every day without fail, praying for you, preparing to speak to you, preparing to feed you. He has turned his eyes towards you, his children. And the challenge today is coming. I'm not finished yet. It's coming that the children must turn their hearts to their fathers. Let, 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 me, let me tell you a secret. And I, I don't think there's a problem in this church. Surely it cannot be a problem in this church. You know, the only way that the flow of the blessings of the father are going to come is when the father is happy. Simple. Isaac said to his son Esau, Esau, prepare me my favorite meal. And then when I've eaten it and I'm satisfied, I will bless you. And Jacob was smarter and his mother was even more foxier because he, she knew that there was something great coming from a man of God, from the father of her children, when he is pleased and happy that he will release the blessing. If you want any blessings, I won't say any more. You know and you can preach it to yourselves. And therefore my challenge is to appeal to the fathers to turn to their children to do as our presiding bishop has done for 40 years selflessly sacrificially spent everything he had his reputation his income everything I remember when we were trying to force him to buy a new car <laughs> he gave everything he wants to bless 
And so I want to say to you, the children of this father, turn your eyes to the father. But there's not just anyhow. This speaks to you. This speaks to me, the Moses generation. It speaks to us who've gone through the horrid and torrid times of apartheid. Who have seen 34 people killed in one day and buried without any ceremony in this very community that you live in. This speaks to us, the Moses generation. And I can bet you, and I fortunately, I'm too old for him to beat me up because it will be considered to be illegal. So he won't. But I bet you that it also applies to my brother, my son, Musason. It means that your generation as fathers and you, your generation as children, the Joshua's and Esther's of today have to do several things. The first is a passing of the baton effectively. To pass the baton effectively. Now the baton is a very strange thing in the race because the carrier of the baton goes ahead of everyone else who must win the race. The carrier of the original baton is not the one just like Moses who does cross the Jordan into the promised land, but is the one who must take that baton and pass it on. Now before you start blaming that they are not doing it, remember, remember that the one who must receive the baton must portray willingness, must show willingness to take that baton the baton is not given, the baton is grabbed. You gotta grab this baton. We must not sit here and wonder who is going to go for us, who is going to preach, who's going to plant the next church. There must be those who are so eager to grab this baton. There must be a willingness. There must be a willingness. There must be, if the baton is passed, are you ready? You must be synchronized. It is not only to be willing, but you must be synchronized with the vision. You must be synchronized with the purpose. Because if you are not right, you will miss your step and you will have that baton fall down and it will be trampled in the soil. You must be synchronized. You must know when to move. You must know when not to move. You must know when to grab. You must know when you must fasten it to yourself. You must be ready and you must be synchronized. Have you ever sat down with your father and said, Father, what is your vision? What is it that you're passing to me? What is it? There must be synchronicity. But thirdly, there must be readiness. So you, Esther, you remember Esther? When the Jewish nation was about to be annihilated, that his uncle came up to her and said, Esther, it is for times such as these that the Lord has raised you to be the queen. Are you prepared to take the risk that Esther took to grab this baton? You fathers, not only must you pass the baton, I wish I could say more, but time does not let me. I'm even afraid to watch, look at the watch. But the second thing that happens is that this Moses generation, and I'm sure that the, the presiding bishop is more than ready and willing more than ready and willing to impart, there's a moment where he must do the impartation. There must be a moment of the Elijah and Elisha. And that moment of Elijah and Elisha will come 
only when Elisha is ready and awake. Remember that if you see me go, then you will have the double portion of my anointing. You remember Jesus, that the disciples had to see him being taken into heaven. Imagine who was not there. He was wondering whether he's lost because he don't see the Lord Jesus Christ. What about Moses? You know, it's a very funny, funny episode. I know that this is not the biblical Christian way to say things. But you know, the way that Moses left Joshua was really quite traumatic. Nobody knew where he was. He went up the mountain and they thought that he's got up there as usual. They thought that, oh, he's going to come up with more what God says. Let us wait. You know the way you're used to say, ah, let's go to church. Well, we're going to hear it again. We're going to hear the same verses again. And Moses went up this mountain and never returned. And Joshua was bewildered and perplexed. He said, where is Moses? And God came to him and says, Joshua, Moses is not going to lead you. Break camp. Break camp. And so Joshua was ready. So the elders must teach our young men and women to, to drink from our own wells. And we must narrate our own story for the future generations. We must drink from our own wells. You know, when Isaac came back to his father's fields, and he came back to Mamre, and the wells were all clogged up, filled with all kinds of filth. The Bible says he dug and redug those wells because he knew that I must drink from this well. Now, let me tell you something. We in South Africa, especially in Tinabantu and Pisho, I want to invite you. Angfunukusho lamazu ngoba asina asisinyam nomasipanyam. But somehow. If I was to go to most of our churches, who is Creflo Dollar? Everybody will know. Who is Benny Hinn? Everybody will know. Who is Oral Roberts? Everybody will know. But if I say, who's Tieno? Nobody will know. When I say, who is John Wilson? Nobody will know. If I say, who's Tokunbo Adiemo? Nobody will know. And I pray that when we say, who is Musa Sondo? Some of you will know. And so Isaac went and reopened the wells because he knew that he had to drink from his father's wells. It is not about what they did. Please now, this is very, very important. Because what they did is very easy to chronicle. We can go from church to church of the 70 churches and we can write about them. It's very easy to do. But it is how they did it. Because when you find out how he did it, then you are ready to take on the mantle. Because you are drinking from your own wells. One of the reasons, and I'm sorry to digress a little bit, one of the reasons why the church has become so incredibly, absolutely, unbelievably wet when it comes to spiritual, territorial dominations that we see in South Africa. Why there is so much Ubungoma? I can tell you now. You can take the best Bible teachers from Britain. You can take the best Bible teachers from Germany or from the United States or Canada. They don't know. You can't read those people. You need to come to our own wells. 
Ibona bazokujela ukuthi Ptanam umtanam akafika kuhafakwe kulomoya senze nje nje nje. We must learn to drink from our own wells. We must share. We must share. We must share our vision. We must share a purpose. Youth Alive prides itself with Philippians 1.21. For to me to live is Christ. My reason for living, my raison d'etre is Jesus Christ. But my death is what will be my trophy. So while I live, I've got a reason to die. That young person has a purpose. That young person has a purpose. If you've got something to die for, you've got something to live for. I'm prepared to die for my children. Therefore, I've got a reason to live. And that gives purpose to what I did, do, and how I live. <laughs> so I close Bazalwan with a challenge. The challenge is not so much today for our from our father, but the challenge for me is to take his heartbeat and expose it to you, the Joshua's, to expose it to you, the Esthers of this generation. The challenge of the baton. May that word never ever mean the same after tonight. Whose baton are you grasping for? If you do not have one, you need to come. Let us pray for you. Number two, you are challenged because of the contemporary situation. I have preached many times on the theme of five minutes past midnight because South Africa is facing its darkest hour right now. Literally and figuratively. We live in darkness of spiritual domination, of crime, of gender violence such as we've never seen. Love in our doorstep, and dismember them because a witch doctor has said, Mfuna, it's been some time. Darkness such as we've never seen. Femicide all over the place. Poverty and affront to God is a way of life for too many people. It is five minutes past midnight. One day, a man cried out in the wilderness and said, Watchman, watchman, how late is it? And the watchman said some very wise words. He said, morning cometh. So the first thing he does is that in spite of the darkness, in spite of the difficulties, in spite of the challenges, morning shall come. And indeed we know that morning, what does it, what, what does it bring? The message of God. So, but don't be lulled into a false sense of security. Because five minutes past midnight means that it's five minutes into a new day. So therefore, we must know that as we prepare for the darkest hour that comes before the dawn, we do so with the full knowledge that five minutes past midnight means we are into a new day. We are into a new day of the 40th celebrations of this church. But let me close with this, Basalan. 
because I know that you are waiting to hear from our Archbishop. Your challenge tonight is the compassion of our Lord Jesus. This compassion is what has driven this man of God and all the other men of God who leads you at Grace Bible Church, who leads you at the tabernacles where you worship, who leads you in the churches where you go. They are moved by the compassion of, jo- of Jesus. Matthew 9.35 Jesus went through all the towns. He went through all the villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. Now listen to this. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion. When Jesus looks at Soweto, he has compassion. When Jesus looked at our bewilderment in South Africa, he has compassion. When Jesus listens to the prayers of our mothers and our fathers for their children, he has compassion. And Jesus had compassion of them. Why? Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said, then he said, the harvest, he said this to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. There is a God spot that nothing can, can fill except the grace of God. He said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send workers into his harvest. Joshua's, Esther's, your father has been praying. And I expose this scandalous thing that he does. He prays that he may never have lack of people who will take the baton and make the thousand churches a reality. Now maybe you've been hearing God say, stand up. And you've we're Please, please hear the heart cry of Jesus. He said, pray the Lord of the harvest. Every one of you have been prayed into this place. And the purpose is not only for you to be transformed into a living, wonderful testimony of the grace of God, but you've been called here to also be sent out. Not to be pure warmers. And so tonight, will you say, in the 40th year of Grace Bible Church, I heard the Lord. When he said, go ye therefore and preach the gospel. God bless you, Bazalwan. Concosia Hengi Gisonde Zekuyo Yonankos Emoya Oingwele Oba
Yes, Rebbe, come out by here. So I'm, I'm asking Bishop Sizam Lebati, please, just to pray. You know, a message like this is a serious message by us. And I can sense God is speaking to people's hearts about this baton. And those of you who feel prompted by the Spirit and you sense in your heart that God is speaking to you. I'm not talking about an emotional decision. And we've been making a call more than once. Even if you've said yes before, I'm going to ask you if you sense I'm one of those. I'm definitely going to grab that baton and be in sync because the harvest is plenteous and I want to be one of the laborers. Would you raise your hand as I ask Bishop please to pray for you tonight. Praise God. Baba we to see a we give you praise and we give you thanks for you are worthy oh God you have enabled your men and women in this church to stand and to proclaim boldly your word now Lord we pray that those Esther's those Joshua's Lord who are here tonight who've raised their hands and said I wasn't sure but tonight I feel the promptings of the Holy Ghost once again and Lord I lay my life before you I want to be a living sacrifice I want to be burned for the gospel Father just thank you for them I pray Lord that they may never look back help them Lord to identify their baton help them Lord to know the wells from which they must drink help them oh God to know the vision that they've been called to and they may be moved by the things that moves the heart of Jesus and that father as this is being extolled from this pulpit you shall call them and they will follow their father in Jesus name father we pray for your presence as never before in the life of those who've said yes Lord tonight I give my life to you for service amen and amen hallelujah hallelujah let's give the Lord a big hand for Bishop what a sobering word thank you so much Indeed, God is really speaking to us, Basalan. I think on Sunday when we conclude, we'll be wrapping up everything that God has said to us. What I'm thankful for is that God is speaking with clarity. We don't have to second guess what God is saying to us. And I'm so thankful for the speakers who have spoken here, who really, really spoken the heart of God and have given us the word of God and spoke us of the oracles of God. Thank you again, Bishop. Thank you so much for the word of the Lord tonight. Come on, let's just thank the Lord. Wow.